Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. Has our capital city become unaffordable? We debate whether it's time we accept that living in Dublin comes at a price. Ballina to roll out the green carpet for US President Joe Biden as he plans his visit to Ireland to mark the anniversary of the Good Friday Agreements. And later, in what Mark Zuckerberg has dubbed its year of efficiency, Meta confirms 10,000 further job cuts globally. Is it yet another canary in the tech sector coal mine? Do join our conversation online with your comments and your questions. It's hashtag tonight, VMTV. quickly becoming characterised by its high cost of living and out-of-reach house prices, people are being priced out of the capital. But should we come to accept that if you want to avail of all the capital city has to offer, you need to be willing to compromise on price? Well, for more on this, I'm joined by journalist June Shannon, broadcaster George Hook, architect and broadcaster Hugh Wallace, and CEO and founder of Goss.ie, Alexandra Ryan. You're all very welcome to the programme. Uh, June, I'm going to start with you because I think you've really um, started a conversation about life in Dublin because you wrote a piece in the Irish Times this week about your decision to leave the capital with your family. And in it, you wrote, Dublin, it's not me, it's you. So why? Why are you leaving? We're leaving and it's been a very hard decision, but we're leaving after living in the place that we're living for 16 years because we can't afford Dublin anymore. It's too expensive for us. We're renting. We've been renting in the same place for 16 years, as I said. <clears throat> but I've come to realise as I get older that there's no security in renting, particularly for older. There is a, a cohort of older tenants that seem to be forgotten about in this that are renting and there's no security. So when we retire... We won't have that disposable rental income. Um, I'm looking to the long-term security. So we couldn't afford to buy a house in Dublin. We don't can't afford the house price in Dublin. So to get that long-term security, quality of life, we need to go outside the capital. Also, now you've been here for 30-odd years. You weren't in born Dublin. in No, born in Cork, Dublin. yeah. And moved up. And moved up, yeah. Um, and also things like childcare. The cost of childcare in Dublin is crippling. Uh, we have a seven-year-old, um, so crash fees were atrocious. They were really hard years. After school is very hard as well. So, you know, when you look at it all in the rent, with rent, childcare, cost of living increases, I realise that nothing is going to change unless we make a change. So and, we've had to make that change. And you wrote in your piece that there was one sort of, you know, final thing that just tipped you over the edge and it was what you had to pay for a bun and a hot chocolate. Well, it wasn't uh, that I had to pay. There was a news story about it at the time, about a price of a bun and a hot chocolate in the cafe in town. And it was €16. Euro. And I remember just sitting there going, this is crazy. We have to call this out. 
you know, it's ridiculous that it's going to cost that much for a bun and a hot chocolate. Um, and it was kind of just tip of the iceberg. At the end of it, I was like, that's it. The straw that broke the camel's back, back and, uh, you know, said, we need to change. I need to do something to change this because nothing is going to change unless we do. And you and your partner, you've both been working full time. You have a young daughter. Yeah. Have you been saving over the decades for a deposit for a house? Have you been trying to save? We were trying to save initially. I mean, it's a long story and life is complex, but we have a, a seven-year-old, Clodagh, who's the light of our lives. She was born after six years of IVF treatment, so we spent 22,000 euro on IVF. So we had no money for a deposit. All our money went into fertility treatment. That's our story. Everyone has different stories. Um, so when we didn't have... We were While my peers were buying a house, we didn't do that because we were spending our money on treatment, which, you know, uh, just to say that Ireland is the only country in the EU that does not provide any public funding for fertility treatments. So you basically spent your house deposit... Yeah, on fertility treatment. On fertility treatment. Yeah. So it was a choice, a yeah, family exactly. or a house. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And then when you went back to the banks over the years, mm. um, looking perhaps to see whether or not you might be able to um, get a mortgage, they very much took the cost of your childcare into consideration, they as, as they do, I've been through the process. Yeah. And that was a big, a big no, a big X against your application. Yes, they said they could see that we were paying rent, that both myself and my husband are working full time. Always have done, like everybody else. We're all, everyone's working really hard. And they saw that we had outgoing rent, which was fine, but also childcare. And I was told by the person at the bank, if you didn't have childcare, we could look at you. But because of your outgoings for childcare, we can't look at you. So, you know, Kira, you can't tie a child to a school gate for three or four hours. They need to be looked after. At that stage, I just said, right, that's it. You know, what, like, what, does, what do people do? I don't know what people do. Because, you know, costs of increasing, people are to the pin of their collar. They're paying childcare. They're paying rent. They're paying bills. And there doesn't seem to be... And there is nothing at the end of the month to save. And everything else you found in Dublin, whether it's, you know, going for a meal or going for a go coffee, for any, all of that you find is expensive. <laughs> we don't do it. You don't do we it. We don't go. You can't do it. We can't do it, no. So you have a plan, and what is that? Yeah, the plan is I've been very lucky. I've been offered a brand new job in Limerick. I'm really excited about it. And uh, we're moving on the 1st of April. Uh, we've bought, we've renting a house in Limerick, the exact same rent in Dublin, and we've got a four-bedroom bungalow in Limerick. We have a two-bedroom townhouse in Dublin. Um, and we have a garden and space for the dog and the two cats. And it's going to be great. There's going to be space and things childcare is cheaper there's a school near a beautiful lovely school nearby um so you know it's a you'll move. have breathing space too you feel financially yeah financially we'll be able to afford things um you know that, that make in, normal things nothing too fancy now you know <laughs> to be able to go for a meal do you feel that you're one of a movement of people who've decided enough is enough dublin simply isn't worth the price you have to pay i hope so you know, I mean, it's it's awful that I that that this has come to this, and it's awful. Like it's, the article that I wrote for the Irish Times Health Supplement seems to have hit a nerve. Now, obviously, the the news trend topic at the moment as well is about housing and cost of housing. Um, but I think you know there is a cohort. Dublin no longer is what I remember to be as a community of you know local sh local shops, local coffee shops, um, life in the city. It's these big you know, corporate coffee shops. It's the big, you know, branded shops. And it's, everything is just too expensive. All right. I mean, I think people need to call it out and just go, you know what, I'm not spending 
that much money for that. It's not worth it. George, June says people need to call it out. Do you think people need to call it out? Or do people need to accept that's the price you pay for living well, in Well, as per normal, I came prepared for a row, OK? <laughs> but then June is such a sweetheart that I couldn't have a row with June. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to personalise the argument. I'm going to do it in third person, right? Yes, and it's not now, about June or June's story. Hold on, hold June and I have one thing in common. We both came from Cork, right? And when I... When, when I came from Cork in 1960. You could buy a house in Drumcondra, Dublin 9, for £2,000. Today, that house is 200 times 2000 right? But look at 1960. There was 100,000 people a year forced to leave the country on emigration. There was probably the same amount unemployed. So this sort of lovely vision that you can buy a house for 2,000 pounds wasn't so... It was a crap place. Now what we have is, and this is very important, the, the per capita gross domestic product in Ireland is 89,000 euros. The equivalent per capita in Britain is 41,000. Yeah, but that's We're... GDP, which we know involves all the big tech sectors, all the big earners. It's not okay. GNP, it's not real life in Ireland, George. A lot of people would say that. A lot of the best economists well, would say that. Let them say that. But let me say this. That the sooner we wake up and realise that this is a wealthy country and accept it and not live in a sort of a, a false zone set up by Richard Boyd Barrett, Holly Kearns and Mary Lou MacDonald, that we're all going to live in, in cheap housing, sipping pina coladas in the garden, you know. Live in any housing, they might say. That's not going to happen. This so it's is... okay, you say it's OK, people need to accept. Dublin is expensive, that's the capital, but we're There's no affordable housing in Knightsbridge in London. There's no affordable housing in uh, the Upper West Side of New York. We are a major European capital. Ergo, we are expensive. People can't... Okay. And we've got to face it. Hugh. I don't know where to go now, George. <laughs> Do you know, you obviously took the tablets before you came out. Can I, can I just go but, but back? It's that very that... simple. We have no houses being built. Cut to the chase, there you go. And until we get our heads around delivering houses in the right place, of which there are hundreds, if not thousands, of brownfield sites in Dublin, in every city, in every town and in every village, and until we build houses, the situation will just go on and on. But and we are not building houses or properties and I, <coughs> in the right location. Yeah, I accept so, your point, but what George is saying is, even if we do, even if we do uh, build houses, when we do build houses, so, is there still an acceptance out there? You cannot live in a city centre. You don't, as he says, live in New York. You don't live in the centre of Knightsbridge. You don't well, live I, in the centre of Paris, unless you're one of the elite. That's, no, no, that's the, that's I, I don't accept that's that at all. I've moved into Clambrasso Street, and, you know, I'm in the heart of the city. And I didn't pay hundreds of thousands for my house. Do you know, so you, you have to search and look, but there should be hundreds of houses in Clambrasso Street. There should have been hundreds of houses all over our city and they are not being built or delivered. You should have social and affordable housing, which we've decided to forget about, not built. And you should also have support houses for people who are finding it difficult to actually buy a house. 
that there's an, a way to bridge the gap. And that's what happens in the centre of London, George, that houses are actually go for half the price, the council buy half the house and the owner buys half the house. These are options. I know, Alexander, and that's you, what needs to be done. You live in Dublin. You accept that there is a premium, a premium to yeah. living in the city because of all the benefits of living in the city. Yeah, I think we're going off topic just a small bit. This isn't a housing debate. It's about the cost of living in Dublin. Even if everyone is given a house tomorrow, they still might not be able to afford the hot chocolate and the bun. I don't really think it has to do with housing in this instance. Um, personally, I agree with George in terms of it's the type of city that we live in. Like I travel a lot. I've been to Monaco, Paris, London, LA, New York. This is the normal price for everything. Dublin is an extortionist in comparison with those capital cities. It's actually probably a little bit cheaper. I was literally just in LA last week and it's more expensive than that. Like, that is the price you pay to so, visit so a city like this. So you're comfortable with paying the 16 euro for your hot chocolate and your bun? I'm not That's... overjoyed by it, but I'm not angry about it either. I want to live in the city. I don't want to live in the countryside. There's benefits from living in the city that I am willing to pay for. And I see it as like a tax for living the city centre life. I live in the suburbs, but I love Dublin. I love the city centre. And I, I live there expecting things to be expensive. I don't give out about the price of a glass of wine or a cup of tea because I know it's probably going to be the same as it is in other capital cities and if I was really focused on that I probably would move out if that's what my focus was but right now it's not I like living there I like being able to walk to my local shop I actually have loads of cafes near me that are owned by families and stuff like that depends where you are but I love the buzz and I would hate to live in the countryside so I have to pay okay. that like tax Ali, for living there do you, mind, do you mind if I just say something about the yeah. coffee because in sheer coincidence I took the lovely Ingrid to coffee yesterday in Piccolo Bistro in the Park Cabin Daily, which is hardly downtrodden South County Dublin. I had an Americano, a latte, a, a, a croissant and a, 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 a blackcurrant uh, Something or other. Bun, right. Yeah. And what did it cost For you? €12.50. OK, 50. So, so there's and better value. So wherever they're paying €16 Euro for a hot chocolate <laughs> and a bun, mm. yeah, Harry, okay, and Meghan, just... Harry and Meghan were probably at the table next door. <laughs> but, are you, but I'm just wondering, because you seem to be saying, look, we need to accept that, that sort of... We're, we're a rich city that, you know, if you want to live in the city centre, there is a premium. It make, makes sort of these areas for the elite. I'm wondering where the people that served you your bun and your two coffees on the money that they're earning, are they just to accept that they can't live in the city centre, that they can't live in the capital? It's not even the city centre, it's the suburbs as well. It's or for the families. You know, it's, you know, like, yeah, I get it. I don't normally go into town. I don't, we don't go out at night socially because we don't have the spending. When you get to a stage in life where you have small kids and you're working full time and you're paying childcare of €1,200 a month for creche fees... That's when it starts to bite. And, you know, if you're paying your rent and 1,200 euro a month for crash fees, you have nothing at the end of the, end of the day. And that's the real well, life situation of families in Ireland right now. Yeah, what if we look at two, you know, American cities, let's say, June, you know, that they have these cities, these vibrant cities, but it's, you know, it's downtown. Nobody lives there. What do you do? You commute, long commutes every single day. Is that not an option for people who, you know, want a flavour of Dublin, but you've got to live outside it? Yeah, and loads of people are doing that. Loads yeah. of people are doing but it. But you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, but this is about sustainability. Yeah. Like, the whole thing is daft. Yeah. We have a city which, if you drive around any of our streets in our city centres, there's huge vacant sites. 
So the idea that sort of, you know, Dublin is full, that within the M50 there's no space, that's just not true. There's plenty of capacity. There's huge capacity within the M50 for hundreds of thousands of houses. And and I I don't accept the fact that Dublin should be elitist. I think that's an outrageous statement, particularly where I live. Because if I look at the generations who still live in my area, they, they are not elitist. No. And I most certainly do not consider myself elitist. I, I don't either, I don't either. Quote me when you use elitist. I didn't ever use the word elitist. I said this is a, a European capital city like London, Paris or anywhere else and that there's like I was here a couple of weeks ago and Kira was trying to persuade me that it would cost me 80 quid if I went out for my dinner I, I then said to her well no Kira. I would think I was I quoting to, a survey a survey that looked at Newtown restaurants Park across Europe. Avenue to the Thai restaurant in Newtown Park Avenue that same week, and okay. I had my dinner with the lovely Ingrid, I hastened to add, for 69 quid, including okay. a bottle of wine. If you want to dine with Harry and Meghan and the like... Yeah, you can find bargains. You definitely, better bargains. definitely can. Is one of the solutions here, Hugh, that we need to, if we want you know, more people to live within the city of Dublin, that we need to change the model of housing that we have. Right. We have to start accepting high-rise apartment blocks in Dublin city centre. Well, which, let's not go for high-rise. Really Let's go for eight floors, not high rise. Eight floors, six floors. It's about public parks. It's also about creating streetscapes. Mm-hmm. So if you drive up Cork Street, you will not walk up that street in the evening. And that's because of the buildings and the way buildings arrive but, at the ground and they don't talk to us. And, it, and all of that is creating unease in our cities. And but, uh, that shouldn't be the case. If we go You're talking back, about eight stories and ten stories. I mean, if you go to some of those major... Maybe eight, nine stories. If you go to some of those major European cities we talk about, you're talking maybe 20 stories, yeah, 30 stories. Story. We don't need no. anything like that. We don't need that. No, no. Eight, eight, six to eight floors, proper parks, the right size apartments for families. So we, unfortunately, mm. at the moment, are still building dog boxes. Yeah, I'm So one... it's a transitory apartment that we're building. We're not building apartments for families because there but are no services. There's no kids, play areas, nothing. Yeah, we hear that all the time, June, but I wonder, is that sort of within the Irish culture? Will we ever, as Irish people, come to see apartment living as a type of life we want as families? And I know there's plenty of people doing it out there and are very happy, but, you know, a lot of people would say, well, the ideal is still your own front door, your own back garden... I think is if, as you said, they were built for families with space and access to green areas and play areas, then that's perfect. We would accept that. But at the moment, all we ever hear talk about is apartment blocks of tiny little buildings for like a family and there's no space. No. There's nowhere to go. No. And it's very, it's not family friendly. I wonder, um, Alexandra, do you as a young person now see your future in Dublin? Or do you accept that once you have maybe a family, if that's what you want, Mm -hmm. that you'll have to leave too? 100%. I would never leave, ever. I would never leave. And I understand the cost of living here and buying houses, and it is outrageous in comparison to other counties, but I want to live in Dublin, so that's... I've just fully accepted that. And I don't think that's insane. That's what people accept in capital cities all around the world. There's a reason why things are more expensive. It's worse for my generation, you know, like it is literally the worst for my generation. And I'm still accepting of the situation. I wish it wasn't that way, but I know that this is where I want to live. And I just think living in any capital city, it comes with challenges. It comes with extra costs. I do 
do want to have a family and I still want to live in Dublin. I've already picked the schools. I know where they want to go here, there, whenever. Like Dublin isn't this big evil place that throws out families. There's loads of amazing, uh, there's, there's more places really in Dublin for families. Things to do on the weekends with your kids. Like there's, my sisters both live outside of Dublin and they come to Dublin quite a lot to do things that aren't available in their county. So I don't think it's the big bad, you know, big smoke. I do think a lot of families live here quite well. Okay, um, one other point that was made, uh, I think was made last night by Conor Skihan formerly from the housing agency, he said, look, one of the big problems with, with supply and, and um, you know, making houses more available to, to people, to families like you, June, is that we need to look at the number of people, George, living alone in houses. 300,000 people living alone in houses, perhaps houses that are too big for them. They need to look at downsizing. Okay, can we cut to the chase straight away? Okay. Uh, are you suggesting it that be George like, yeah. and Ingrid, who are living in this fabulous big house in leafy Fox Rock, you want to, to Pierre Starty to come down tomorrow and kick with the two of us out of our house in order to give it uh, to some family. To a young family it. looking to yeah, sort yeah, of start their lives. I think that's a I decent mean, thing to do, George. Yeah. Let's be totally honest. I, I, I mean, I there you are. You and Ingrid person. could have a fabulous time <laughs> in a beautiful two-bedroom boutique apartment. In Donegal, you wouldn't know yourself. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't <laughs> know so This is a no for you. Of course it's a no. Like, I, I, I bought it. I broke my... Well, mostly Ingrid, because she was better financially than I was. But we broke our butts to pay for that over 25 years. And you're not whatever. moving. And we, we lived there. We lived there in a, a place where I know the fellow across the road and I know the woman next door to me and whatever. Suddenly, my friend Mr Wallace here, he wants to shunt me into one of his friendly eight or ten-storey apartment blocks. Not ten, in which I, Not eight, ten. Eight, <clears throat> in which no, I don't know anybody. Do you, I don't know. I'm I going to build... Is I think is, this is... George no, needs to sell his house and we'll build an apartment block. He can move back in, and you can go across to his You're friend. You're like TV show idea, <laughs> brand new TV, TV show. Do, it. Yeah. do you but think it's something we need to, we need, we need to create exactly policies to be encouraged on that? You it want is. to kick me out of my No, I want to you. move you. I want to move you. you. No, you can but that I mean, is what sorry, there was a word that nearly came out What needs to... Hold on, George. I'm not going to move from you or anybody else. What should happen is in areas in Dublin, People do want to move out of their house. And they, they don't. Do... Sorry, excuse me, George. You... Well, just let you finish here. You. They do want to move out of the house. And if they are given really generous apartments that they own, this is very important because this comes back to your point of security of tenure, that they retain their existing house, that they can go and use the equity out of that house okay. to buy a portion or 50% of their new home because this is about ownership and 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 security of right. tenure. And that's the big reason people don't move. Okay. They do not move out of houses or homes because it's an issue of security okay. of tenure. Uh, June, you've made your peace with your move now. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Are you looking forward to yeah. it? And the family is ready for it, even though I know you don't have any huge connections down there or anything? Oh, my sister lives in Limerick. You have there, okay, you have that. Yeah. All right, so you're not, yeah. not too far. But no, at this point, you don't think you'll come back to Dublin? No, not full-time, no. The, the, pl the, the plan now is to buy in County Clare or County Limerick. And if you look at our budget of about 150 grand, uh, you can buy a house for that in County Clare or County Limerick. You can't in Dublin. In County Dublin, you can't. Sorry, I, the, the, the thing for you, 
like, and I'm thrilled for you. You're, you're going to Limerick. You can watch Munster every second Saturday. Uh, you're well, going to be the... a fraction less for the house, which is brilliant. Your daughter's going to be, if she wants to go to a fee-paying school, it'll be 30% cheaper. Your commute will be a fraction of Dublin time. Of course you're better off. You're immeasurably better off if that is your choice. Yeah. However... The lovely Ali and myself are going to stay here in the capital city. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. You lost all credibility. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. If the city becomes Ali unaffordable for mm. people, for ordinary people, are we going to lose a lot of the character of Dublin? That'd be one of my concerns. I don't think so, because even what Hugh was talking about, like, I think the image being portrayed tonight is that it's elitist and everyone's sitting around drinking champagne. I mean, it's not like that. There are absolutely ordinary people here. Obviously, the concern with the cost of living is that it is going to become unaffordable. Like, I'm worried about that. Everybody is worried about that. I don't think it's going to get to the point where everybody has to leave. We've been through these times before. There's been multiple recessions. We, we get over it. We get through it. We work through it. I do know people are struggling, but I, I do think good, solid people who've lived here all their lives are going to continue to Live here, people are still going to migrate mm. here. Well, June, I think, would you disagree with yeah. that? Yeah, you I think completely? people are struggling too much, and I think it's just time to call it out. People are struggling way too hard, and it shouldn't be this hard to live in Dublin. It just shouldn't. I just can't see it changing. Though. Like, I have to be a realist about it. We can't suddenly decide, right, let's make Dublin cheaper because all the other capital cities aren't going to. And that does but affect it's not other Dublin things. City, it's it, no. Dublin County. But that's what I mean. The entire county is it's the capital the of county. Ireland. It, it, it's Carlow. Dublin has affected house prices in Carlow, Kildare, mm. Drogheda. Everywhere. All I'm it's saying like is this, this, this is the precedent everywhere, though, so I don't think we're well, going to wave a magic sorry, wand. In, in other countries, All right. there, there's a balance <laughs> back and you have social and affordable okay. housing and other types of housing are provided for people. And right. that does not happen in Dublin. Yeah, it doesn't. There's no affordable housing in Dublin. We're going to have to leave it there. My thanks to Hugh and to June for coming in to this evening. Thank and best luck Thank with you. the move. I hope it goes really well for you. George and Alexandra are going to be staying with us. And after the break, US President Joe Biden is to visit Ireland. Is it a historic visit that should be treated as such? We'll debate. You're very welcome back. Well, President... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Joe Biden has confirmed his visit to the Emerald Isle next month to mark the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. He will visit both north and south of the border, but it is reported that he will spend the majority of his time in Mayo, where his ancestral roots lie. My panel is still with me, and I'm also joined this evening by senior lecturer at TUD, Harry Brown. You're very welcome to the programme. But first, I'd like to go to Laska Hirlock of the Ballina Municipal District, Michael Loftus. You're very welcome to the programme, Michael. I know it's not his first visit to Mayo, far from it, but it's his first as President of the United States. So how will Mayo welcome him? Like all we do with all people, we welcome them with great warmth. And Kira, even yourself, you're more than welcome to come down when he does come <laughs> uh, to visit. But, uh, and you can bring George if you like. Oh, well, I hear there's going to be a game of golf with Enda Kenny, apparently, is on the agenda. So maybe myself and George could make up a four ball. Yeah. Well, the people of Bellinat this morning woke up with great excitement with the, with, when we heard the news that he was actually coming. And um, we're just looking forward immensely to, to his visit. As you said, he came in 2016 as vice president. And the reception he got at that stage was tremendous. Uh, the warmth that people gave to him, but not alone that, the warmth that he actually gave. And to us, as the people there uh, on the streets, he went in and out uh, to the people taking selfies. And I know at times the security and the Secret Service were all worried about him. Mm. But to be give great credit to the Mio Garda Shikana, everything was organised extremely well and nothing happened. Do you think there will be the same opportunities this time round, given the fact that he is now President of the United States, for pressing the flesh, for meeting people, for those selfies that you talk about? I believe it is uh, still possible to him to do what he did the last time. Uh, because in fairness to Mayo people and people in our country, uh, we, ex we, we take visitors with great affection and we treat them well. And there's no reason why this can't happen again. I mean, I heard um, Dan Mulhall, the former ambassador um, to Ireland, talk today about Joe Biden and his genuine love, he said, of Ireland and his pride about his heritage, that when he would go to St. Patrick's Day events, he wouldn't, like a lot of politicians, pop in for 20 minutes, take the photograph and leave. He would spend the entire day there. Do you get that sense from him when he is in Mayo? Yes, very much so. And the fact that we also are twinned with Scranton, uh, the town of Ballina for the last 30 years. That is another connection with Joe. And he really appreciates the fact that Scranton is his hometown. Um, we had the foresight, I think, from the town council in 30 years ago to go to Scranton and to actually make that connection. So uh, we must have seen that Joe was going to become president and uh, had that wisdom to do so. You had foresight. What is the potential gain for Mayo from a visit like this? Uh, it's tremendous. I mean, you, you talk about um, Ackle Island at the moment with all the hype about the Banshees uh, of Inishir. Uh, this will be no better, it will be a lot better for us here in Belna. When he did come in 2016, uh, he brought so many people with him that they then returned. A lot of them actually came back. And uh, then in 2019, he came privately 
to uh, turn Assad in the Neora Scammon hospice. And no Secret Service, just himself. And yet he mingled with everybody. He treated everybody so well. All right. Photographs were taken. And you ask anybody who met Joe, and the warmth that he gave to them was phenomenal. All right. We, we are so lucky in Bellana this year. We have our 2023 anniversary, uh, the 300th anniversary of Bellana. And the fact that in April, uh, we have our Mayo Day on the 29th of April. <laughs> His timing here. is impactful. So that might be a day that Joe may be here with us. All right. Uh, let me just go to my panel here, Harry Brown. You can see there is genuine excitement among a lot of the people in Mayo, amongst a lot of politicians today. Should we go all out? Should we roll out the red or the green carpet for US presidents? Look, there's no should. We will. We clearly will. But there is a... There is also, and one hates to be a begrudger, because it really is nice for Balanon. And there's no doubt Joe Biden is really genuine in his affection for Ireland. There's also a kind of a superstitious thing. Presidents who come to Ireland in their first term tend to get a second term. There's a little bit of this luck of the Irish uh, that he's hoping for, a rub of the green from coming here. But at the same time, it's really important, you know, that we don't just allow Ireland always to be constructed as this little kind of piece of... Uh, sheen, a little bit of good luck, a little bit of leprechaun action for someone, a president who is in a deep crisis, is in an international crisis that has just got worse today. He's uh, in a uh, leading a country that is in a major economic crisis. There's a banking crashes happening. There's, his popularity is extremely low, not at, the, not at its absolute lowest. And he's not alone in his popularity being low. But most Americans think the country's heading in the wrong direction. Uh, most Americans think that the, the best times are all behind us now. It's In some ways, he's an appropriate president for that because he's kind of a throwback. So a bit more of a sort of critical assessment of how we welcome these... Yes, and also, I think, an understanding that that a, a politician, and he's a politician, uses a trip like this to burnish his image, to build support, to build support domestically, of course, because he's got a, a possible re-election race next year, but also to build support internationally for America's role in the world. We continue to facilitate America's military role in the world at Shannon Airport. And I think there's a, there are absolutely real questions we need to ask. And our neutrality, of course, which we have been discussing over the last year in the context of the crisis that's taking place in Europe, is something that we need to, to hold firm to, even while we're, you know, obviously warmly welcoming someone who cares about Ireland and cares enough to come. All right. Uh, George, will you turn out to see Joe Biden if you get the chance? Will you be welcoming him here? I'm steaming, I must say. I'm steaming. Like... As a matter of fact, John F. Kennedy came here and he didn't get a second term, well, sadly, by the way. But the, the real crisis here for uh, the professor seems to be that a politician is burning his, burnishing his image by coming here. What about us? Six million Irish people have emigrated to America since the famine. They have looked after us as better than almost any nation on earth. They, 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 if, if we send a message back to America, we will unite Republicans and Democrats if they see the Irish don't bloody well want our president. We do want their president. That's why we have unbridled access to the White House and Patrick's Day. We marched in thousands against George Bush when he came here. We marched in thousands against Bush. We protested 
against Reagan. We protested against. We Bush. didn't look. We didn't. And we didn't. And we didn't. We didn't. We, we, we probably had a very Reagan. different attitude to Donald Trump's. So what you're saying is we we pick and choose the presidents Absolutely. that we want to invite into this yes, country. Yes, but he's George. Irish. Ten of his sixteen great great grandparents were born in Ireland. Joe Biden is as Irish as Paddy's pig. He is only the second Catholic president in American history when we were told prior to 1960 that a Catholic would never be in the White House. We should be absolutely shouting from the rooftops that we're proud of this Irishman who's made it all the way to the White House and and we want him here. Harry, I'll let you respond to that. Yeah, listen, look, my old man, if he were still around, would be very happy to see an Irish Catholic in the White House and would be, probably would be saying, you know, what are you worried about, Harry? You know, I'm worried because... What are you worried I, I am... That we're I, sort of being used as a country, are we? We are being and used we take as a country. It, is Ireland is being used as a country. And I'm also, as an American, I have to say that it's a it's not only a dishonest reflection of Ireland to treat us as a kind of a backdrop for uh, for a photo shoot it's also a dishonest reflection of the current state of America for us to only regard his being here as a cause of celebration and of the world of course but is there not another point that we made that look forget about his motivation from coming here and what he looks to get from coming to Ireland. What about asking, what can we get? How can we turn it around and see what's the benefit here for Ireland of having the American president here for a four, if not five day visit? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously if you're Balina, the the benefits are very real. For the rest of us, this constant kind of harping on what are the consequences of our relationship with the United States, both for tourism, for economic development. I think we've kind of been there and done that, haven't we? I mean, what more do we need to do in order to exploit that relationship further? Look, we've just seen seen Mark Zuckerberg laying off possibly hundreds of people uh, in Ireland uh, today. You know, our relationship with the United States um, cannot be the be-all and end-all of our place in the world. And it certainly can't be something that we sacrifice all critical perspective in order to advance. Um, Ali Ryan, is Joe Biden box office? I think we're all forgetting the actual, how we're exploiting it on our side. Like you're saying that he uses us. We're absolutely going to use him. Like I remember when Obama came to Moneygall in 2011, I was working for the Herald. I was sent up there with a cardboard cutout of Obama and I had to go all around the town. I was talking to everyone who lived there. People had their houses painted the American flag. The pub, I had to get a pint of Guinness and put up to the cardboard cutout. It was hilarious. But it literally changed people's lives down there. It's changed businesses. Obama Plaza is the name of their local plaza like we're forgetting how much it's going to change that town it's not a small thing it's going to change them forever that he came and he visited and he celebrated which in turn will help the country because people will want to come here to see his birthplace he's also not just visiting Mayo he's visiting Dublin he's visiting Belfast it he's will... spent the majority of his time yeah, though, in Mayo, Mayo. we see what, yeah. the, what the visit of JFK has done for New Ross haven't we yeah and we do and, and to be fair he is Irish like and every time I go to America everybody is like I'm Irish Irish, I'm Irish, I'm Irish. But what Everybody about the wants point, a connection. I suppose the point that Harry's making is that he is not a popular president within the United States and yet we treat him here perhaps. See, it's, di- it's different here and he especially is. when you're saying about being box office. Like on our website, Gostadi, we're definitely going to be covering his visit. Like we covered, for example, Will and Kate when they came over for the Royal Tour. I was on the Royal Tour with them. It just brings such a buzz. People care that a celebrity is here. It could be Matt Damon, it could be Joe Biden. Uh, 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 
It doesn't, doesn't matter really what matter. the background is. Yeah. Well, do you think, George, there will be the same response? I remember Clinton coming here. I remember Obama coming here. I remember that forever. I remember being there in front of Trinity, listening to him speak. Do you think Biden will get the same reception? Well, you see, you're very young, like. You're very young, but, <laughs> I am, but, but when Kennedy came here, Kennedy came here ex against the express views of the State Department. They said, don't go to America. Kennedy came to America as a 64-carat Irishman whose great-grandfather Patrick left Dungan, the farm in Dungan'stown and New Ross to America. Why, wait, Professor, I'm, I'm astonished at Professor Brown, who's a lecturer in media. I'm just astonished at his actual lack and of awareness of, of America's place in Irish in Ireland. history. Okay. No, but one more thing, and never forget this. We What are we celebrating? Why is Joe coming here? He is coming here to celebrate the Belfast Agreement. Clinton mm. sent George Mitchell, one of the greatest Americans for Ireland of yeah, all time. Yeah, a fair time. point, and we owe yeah. the Americans for that and that support. Well, for, for that and much, so much more. Much Harry, more. last yeah. one, yeah. yeah. I don't give a hoot whether Biden's popular okay. or not. Harry, yeah. he's and, ours. I mean... Uh, I think that George is right, that the, the peace process is an important aspect of this. And when Bill Clinton came in the 1990s, to a certain extent, that's what we were celebrating. We were celebrating the fact that in the eyes of the world, we'd made an advance. All right, look, we're going to have to uh, leave it there. We'll discuss that in more detail closer to the visit. My thanks to Harry, to George and to Ali for joining me this evening and to Michael, of course, in Bellana. Up next, tech giant Meta announces more job cuts and Silicon Valley Bank collapses a dismal few days in the tech sector. What does it all mean for Ireland? Do stay with us. You're very welcome back. Well, Facebook and Instagram's parent company, Meta, has announced that they will cut 10,000 jobs globally in a second wave of mass redundancies from the tech giant in what is the latest turbulence in the tech sector. So, will we feel the tremors here in Ireland? For more on this, I'm joined by tech editor at the Irish Independent, Adrian Weckler. Adrian, thank you for joining us this evening. At the moment, we don't know how many or if any jobs in Ireland are going to be impacted by this. No, we don't. We're fairly sure, though, that it's, it's likely that some Irish jobs will be affected by this. Because they were, in the first round, there was about 350 jobs lost in the first round of redundancy. In the first round of Facebook, Meta cuts in November, they got rid of 13%, it was 11,000 jobs. Now they're getting rid of, in a second wave, 10,000 jobs. It's very difficult to see how the Irish operation, which has over 3,000 staff here, and about the same number of contractors, won't be affected. All right, and hopefully we'll get an update on that yeah. in the next uh, couple of days. Are there specific issues at Meta that is leading to these job cuts? Yes, Meta is worse affected than most tech giants for three reasons. First, the Metaverse is a flop. It hasn't taken off commercially. Second, Instagram and Facebook, which used to rule the roost, have been absolutely hammered by TikTok, which is completely eating, uh, eating up all of their um, advertising money. So and just Yeah, so there's just competition, more competition in the market than they would have experienced yes. in the park. More and online competition. Yeah, the third reason is that uh, Meta was kneecapped effectively by Apple when Apple brought in that do not track for online ads on the iPhone two years ago. That costs Meta over 10 billion uh, euro per year. Because they weren't able to target their ads with the same effectiveness as they would have before. Yes. And Zuckerberg 
seems completely committed to this idea that metaverse is the future that is going to work. And I actually think a lot of people still don't even know what metaverse is. Yeah, metaverse. So we've talked about the metaverse before. It's this idea, it's a virtual reality, uh, an online world for business, leisure, entertainment, banking, fashion, automobiles. The most optimistic uh, projections say that it's about seven, eight, nine years off. Meta itself is starting to scale back some of its investment in the metaverse. It won't make money anytime soon. Okay, this won't have come as any huge surprise, will it, to those working within Meta because the head of Meta Ireland has left or is leaving, things taking a break. And Zuckerberg has been suggesting, hasn't he, since the beginning of the year, that more redundancies were coming. All of that is absolutely correct. Um, we had expected these job cuts. Mark Zuckerberg calls 2023 the year of efficiency. He said that he wants to flatten the uh, the company. He said there are too many managers there. Um, he's also blaming the world economy. He says that the world is in for a very rough few years. He says interest rates are still too high. That all, again, has to be taken in context that Meta is doing worse than a lot of the other big tech giants. Because there was a fear, because we did see a round of sort of redundancies within the tech sector at the end of last year. There will be a fear now that this is the beginning of a second wave of redundancies. Do you think it is? It's very hard to tell at the moment. So Meta was the first big tech uh, company to announce these job losses in November. That did spark a wave of tech losses across the sector. However, some of the biggest companies still haven't cut jobs. Apple hasn't cut jobs. TikTok hasn't cut cut jobs. Google has cut a very small number of jobs. If those giants uh, uh, cut more jobs or or announce more layoffs, then I'd be worried about a a deep second wave. And that would be particularly concerning because they both have quite significant operations in Ireland. They would have huge operations, tens of thousands of employees. All right. Um, you don't see this as sort of a, you know, a sense that you know, the tech sector is under pressure. And yet I would think for many people who work within the tech sector, they would have felt that their jobs were completely secure, completely safe, utterly you know, guaranteed well-paid jobs. So it must be quite discombobulating for those in the sector in Ireland. And there's quite a lot of them, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about 130, 140,000 tech sector jobs. This is the reason that there are no unions in the tech sector, because you did have a very high-paid uh, job. If you lost it, you'd walk into another one, not only the next month, but uh, the next week. Um, it's worth putting all of this in context. Even after all of these cuts, there are still more people employed in the tech sector in Ireland than there were 18 months ago. Even if there was a second wave of layoffs, there would still be more people in the sector than there were, say, four or five years ago. It's still an unbelievably um, wealthy sector that pays an awful lot of corporate tax in this country. But I suppose one of the other things that will have unnerved the tech sector is this closure, this collapse Mm -hmm. of Silicon Valley Bank. There was a lot of panic at the beginning of the week that this was it. This was, you know, banking collapse 2.0. I think that has kind of abated, hasn't it? It has abated a lot. There was real panic last week that we were going to see a return of of 2008, that there would be contagion from Silicon Valley Bank to some of the bigger banks. Silicon Valley Bank, by the way, is quite a big bank in the US, used by about half of all the tech companies there. And some of the biggest Irish tech companies uh, as well, by the way, I saw one of them tweeting that they had over $20 million on deposit there. But as soon as the US government moved in to effectively say, your deposits are all fine in Silicon Valley Bank, that took the sting out of the crisis. European authorities have been out today saying they don't see any exposure in Europe. The one thing we might see, though, is uh, the Fed and the ECB will be reluctant to raise interest rates now.
Um, what is worth noting too is that there's a feeling, oh God, here we go again, reckless practices by the bank. But I think a lot of people now when they look at Silicon Valley Bank would say it was the management of a complicated situation they got themselves into rather than being sort of a bad actor within the banking sector. It was a really weird one. It was a communications cock-up because the, the bank wasn't actually that badly run. What happened was they took a loss on some bonds they needed to raise about two or three billion dollars. They didn't tell people why they needed to raise that money. And all of the venture capitalists and all of the tech community started gossiping about it. They all, they they lost all, confidence. They all went to take money out of the bank and that's what happened. All right, we'll leave it there. Adrian Wechter, thank you for joining us. That's it from us. Uh, our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms and we'll be back here tomorrow night at 10pm. From all the team here, good night. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.